April 30th, 2000. U571 traded DOS Boots gritty realism and historical accuracy for hunks on hunks on hunks. Cypress Hill released Skull and Bones, but you could only listen to it in a secret meeting after doing a bong rip from Geronimo's skull. After the Alien Gonzalez raid, the government pledged to never pull a gun on an adorable child again. Only sixes or less. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., The Rock faced Triple H for the WWF Championship at Backlash. Bubba's getting wood. This is Hell in a Cell Phone. this on Pete Rose's 80th birthday, so if he shows up in a chicken suit later on, you'll all know why. Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello! And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Uh, happy to be on the podcast with episodes as long as a uh, given spate of weather uh on a given day in april in new york because just wait two hours you know it might change into something else right now it's windy before it was sunny i don't get it uh down in maryland we have a saying if you don't like the weather wait an hour oh down in uh ithaca we had that saying too Oh, By the way, I just want to say, I think Elian Gonzalez was probably like a refugee eight. I think in Cuba, he might have been like a little bit less cute. <laughs> also around this time, the Metallica lawsuit on Napster happening, letting me know that Napster exists and I should use it and it's good. Oh, man, I use Napster so much. So much. Let's see, know, so it was it Napster on? and then it was... Um, Kazaa? LimeWire? I never did LimeWire. Kazaa? There was Morpheus for a second there, and then I settled into uh, SoulSeek, and that was the, the end of my mm. downloading days. There was a time where, uh, in 2005, I was uh, downloading from, like, I was downloading uh, torrents of, like, entire albums that were, like, in really high quality um, from, like, I think it was called, like, ST Music. Like I don't the, know if I could get sued off of that. I still, to this day, have never once successfully in my life downloaded a torrent. And not for any reason, not for lack of trying. Uh, I just like was never able to figure it out. But my Napster story, uh, Napster was started, uh, The guy, one of the guys who started Napster started it at my college at Northeastern University, Boston, go Huskies. Uh, and he... Uh, after it took off, something that stayed in its wake was this thing called Direct Connect, which was only available like on campus on like the intranet or whatever. Mm-hmm. But same idea. You were like, you know, doing the same thing, file swapping and whatever. And of course, mm-hmm. being the young gay that I am, what is the first thing I go to download, which is tons of gay porn, just absolute just boatloads of, of gay pornographic films. Uh, and so I, I, I hit a sort of uh, a, a batch of these films all at once, and they're all from the same user. And so I was like, well, you, uh, might as well shoot my shot. You struck a vein. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh-oh. Uh, and so I messaged them. It was like, hey, excellent taste. Uh, and then we met up for a cigarette outside one of the dorms. And I think we did it for like a month and a half after that. Uh, what? That's crazy. That's so yeah. 
He was really hot. He looked like, maybe this isn't going to sell it, but he looked like a young Bob Dylan. Like the same style and like the same sort of like vibe. Uh, yeah, he was cute. We had a, a fun little thing. Me and Alexis would host our radio show at literally two in the morning and I, he would come and I would be like, come bring us orange juice. And he would like, come like bring us snacks. Uh, we were at now, wait, the radio station. Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan with like the, um, uh, with the Salvador Dali mustache or like no, 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 younger no. Bob I'm Dylan. Picturing, I'm picturing, uh, oh, yeah, younger Bob Dylan was a snack. Yeah. I'm picturing, yeah. um, the freewheeling Bob Dylan where he's got the, uh, the leather coat walking down in the middle of the street with the girl on yep. his arm. That one. Yeah. Yes, exactly that. It was a very hot vibe. And keep in mind, this is like peak, you know, you mentioned the hives in this, like, uh, well, this isn't, you know, these, this wasn't exactly at this time. This was a few years later than when this is what we're talking about today. Uh, but still in the midst of that sort of like, um, post-punk, uh, cute little moment there with like the Hives and Franz Ferdinand and all those bands. Man, you know, it's funny. I remember I was, I was in the, the, especially when I went to buy the, the Hives album, uh, Veni Vidi Vici or whatever, or Vicious, Veni Vidi Vicious, right? Veni Vidi Vicious, Um, which actually came out, um, the same month as this pay-per-view. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I went to like, I was in college. I went to the, like the, I don't know, it was probably like a, like a Sam Goody or some shit like that. And I uh, went to get the hives and I think I like, I don't know if I asked if they had more stuff like that or if the guy was just like, Hey, if you like stuff like that, you should check out television marquee moon. And I was like, Oh, nice. oh okay. Maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have to find this person and I owe them a beer because I mean, I don't even listen to the hives anymore, but I certainly listen to television like multiple times uh, uh, a month. Probably that was the old uh, the old Amazon instead of uh, p- clicking a button. for yeah. <laughs> If you like this, you might also like this. <laughs> Yeah, right. But also, like, imagine the patience you have to have as a as a music store employee to be like, oh, uh, you like this flavor of the month band? Have you considered looking at like this seminal post punk band? You know, like like this this band that like basically everybody knows, like one of the five best albums of the seventies. Have you thought of that? Yeah, right. Like. You should check out Talking Heads. Yeah, but in a way that's like almost, I think for people like that, I think anyone can relate to, like, it also kind of feels awesome to be the person to break that news. Like, kind of like when you're like, wow, I wish I could go back and like watch this one episode of television for the first time with fresh eyes or see this movie without knowing whatever. Like, I think there's like a same sort of thing. Like, it feels so good to be like, wow, I'm about to give you such a gift. (laughs) Yeah. I tried to actually manufacture that for uh, with my niece uh, for I forget it was a birthday a couple of years ago and like I I bought her a CD and it was like maybe a year or two too late for CDs but it was like it was still on the cusp and I bought her television I was like I was like trust me I think you're gonna like this and I did not hear a thing about it since and I'm like okay never mind you tried to uh, garden state her. Yeah, exactly. This will change your life. And she's like, no, I, I like the Black Veil Brides. Like, the shit she likes is like, uh, I don't know. It scares me. It makes me think that, like, you know, there but for the grace of God was she, like, not abducted by a, you know, 22-year-old when she was younger. So, Bobby, you and uh, resident artist Alexis Yavni hosted a radio show together? 
Yeah, our freshman year of college. And it was honestly, the branding was amazing. It was called Skirts and Slacks, which I think is a mm-hmm. fucking great name for a radio show hosted by me and Alexis. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, we were DJ A and DJ B, which also was Alexis and Bobby, which was fun. And uh, the radio station, like we basically like played a lot of like Death Cab for Cutie and whatever. Uh, but it also like, you know, we had, there was a mandate that you had to play like X percentage of quote unquote, like the new releases of the week. And that would be like mm-hmm. marked specially. I mean, I don't know if you guys were radio nerds, but I was like high school and college radio. Uh so you had to like play I, um, that. And we found so much stuff through that. Like we, like there were so many things that ended up being like, I think like the first time we like played the shins was just like, Oh, what's this random band with this cool album art or whatever. And just like put it in and we're like, Oh, this is great. Um, I used to fuck around on my friend's radio show in college until I said, fuck on air and got him suspended for a week. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. I actually, that's, I mean, I guess it's no coincidence since we're all in podcasts. Yeah. But um, I I tried to get into the radio, into the radio station at my college, but our radio station, like literally the college radio station was like an NBC affiliate. And I was like, this fucking sucks, man. <laughs> like, I want to do the college radio part, like not the part where they're like, yes, and we actually like, we have to play the news at the top of the hour. And yeah. like, I fucking hate this. The underwriting and all that. And you and like, and it's such a fucking like stupid, unnecessary boys club in terms of like gatekeeping. And like, it's just like, that's why we were on at like two in the morning. Like we had listeners that would be in Tasmania, like, cause it was like a crazy like time zone. And I guess, especially this was, you know, probably 2003, 2004, but like internet radio was still a fairly new concept. So there wasn't many options and people that were listening to internet radio anywhere in the world might just pick up what you were putting down. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. So it was actually really, it was, I mean, it was really fun. And I loved it. Everything I did before, uh, I moved to Houston was always very music focused. So it was like radio and I almost like wrote exclusively music reviews and concert reviews and music features. You, you, you guys really should have had a, like a segment called like side a and side B. Right, we, where like I wish we we could. I mean, honestly, maybe we should bring it back as a pod, as another. What I need another pod to work on. Uh, but yeah, yep. we, we would do like top ten lists and stupid shit. I mean, it wasn't. It was mostly music, um, and then it's like a little bit of of uh, we did we did a, we would do like a couple bits, but um, yeah, there was a there was one night where I was hanging out at the radio station and actually um, was hanging out in the studio when Peter Rosenberg was doing his show, then known as PMD. Wow. Connection. Small world, man. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've met him like 30 times. He has no idea who I am. Other music that came out that month, uh, Big Pun's final album, Yeah, Baby. I uh, probably would have chosen a different name had he known. No Doubt's Return of Saturn, Elliot Smith's Figure 8, Maya's Fear of Flying, Tony Braxton's The Heat, the Ying Yang Twins' debut, Thug Walk-In, and Papa Roach, Infested. Is that the Papa Roach mm. album, or is that's well, yeah that's that's got last resort. That's last resort. Okay, that's because the one pa- that well, uh... that's the one that Paul Ryan blasts on his way to the gym. Yeah. Well, wait, yeah. So, so uh, Papa Roach was this is my last resort, yeah. right? That's them. Honestly, you guys, who did? Wait, 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 wait. Who did the co- sorry? Oh, sorry. Who did the cover of uh, of Drift Away by Dobie Gray? Was that not Papa Roach? No, that, that was, was Kid else, Rock, right? Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. I think it was no, Kid... I'm thinking of something else, but that... no. That's photograph. Might have been stained. I f- every, but every no. time I think that there is a um No, it's Uncle Cracker. Yeah, Uncle Cracker. Yeah, yes. who's a who's a Kid Rock affiliate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, Bobby. I, I, I stepped on you. What what was it you wanted to say? I don't remember now. We were talking about Oh no. 
What now? What was it? I told. Oh, oh, Uncle Crack. Okay, is Last Resort does it slap? Because I do think there is a sort of like as we're doing a lot of reconsidering things that happened in the '90s, and we'll throw this into the pile. But uh, maybe it's unreconsidered that Papa Roach song because every time I hear it come up in like a fun girl talk remix or like something on it with a TikTok, like, I'm <laughs> like, man, this actually does kind of slap. You know what I mean? Like, it is, especially when it's like uh, part of a remix. I don't know. I, maybe there's something to it. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just the meatheads ruined it. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think there's a lot of those songs that are like that where like, like when they're taken out of context and they're, you know, like a historically, they're actually kind of fun stuff, fun songs. It's like it's like the same way that like I didn't really vibe with any Backstreet Boys or In Sync when it was out, but like now when I hear it, I'm like, this is fun. I can I can like listen to it and have and have a good time. Yeah. But like at the time, because of what it was associated with, I kind of hated it. Absolutely, and like the aesthetic is so bad and all of that. But just purely as a piece of music, I'm like. This song yeah. kind of fucking slaps. Like, and like, it's not, I don't care about it lyrically. Like, in fact, I like it when it's like remixed with like a bouncy little number that I did in all the TikToks <laughs> I'm watching. I'm like, man, I, I have a positive association with this now that I, I, I don't think I allowed myself to have previously. So I want this to be a safe space for all of you guys and our listeners that, you know what? Yes. Feel how you feel about Papa Roach and don't let anyone tell you different. I mean, I definitely, I, fact, I definitely downloaded Last Resort on Napster. Like, that's a hundred percent. I can guarantee you that. Wow. But I was also My like, fa- I was also in, really into System of a Down, Metallica, um, even mm. Godsmack. Same Metallica. I, you're playing with fire, but. Uh... I remember. I remember with um, with Napster. My main thing was I was downloading a lot of Radiohead, and I was downloading like. I would download songs. I think we talked about this maybe where like it was songs that was like, it was like Radiohead plays Pink Floyd. I'm like, yes. And like, it was definitely not Radiohead. It was some <laughs> band that maybe sounded like Radiohead. Yeah. Trial doing error. Wish You Were Here. And you would never know until yeah. the next day because you had to like leave it downloading all night. And then none of these services had like a No, Bobby, Bobby. Eric was in college at this point. He had that that good T one oh, going on. Shit. Yeah, yeah, I had the I had the I had the Ethernet. I just remember trying to download like Silver Chair and a song or whatever, and like setting it and forgetting it, baby. Like waking up the next morning and being like, "Did it work? Is it the song? Fuck, it's not. Fuck." And like having to like start it over and go to school and like hope for the best. But yeah. right, but also if your parents pick up the phone in the <laughs> middle of it, you're like, "No, yes," and ruin the, and it start all over again. Yeah, it was such a crusade. Uh, but I used to love. Because you had no in-app player, so everything... I don't know about you guys, but I used Winamp for everything, which had that amazing visualizer, which would be like... Yes, yes. I mean, thank God I had... I feel like I had just started smoking pot at this time, I guess in 2000, probably. Uh, And man, right on fucking time, because that Winamp screen and I had a very meaningful, deeply spiritual relationship, I think, for years. Fans of the show will yeah. remember Bobby going down this exact same rabbit hole like a few months ago. <laughs> really? Oh my God. Whenever, whenever it was on one of, on one of the uh, that we uh, I brought up that Napster premiered, and I had us all talk about our. You're not you're not out of this either, Silver. You you did the same. Uh, I know. I don't. I, I, I remember when I talked about it. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get uh, through the rest of this uh, pop culture bit. The other movies this week, Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas, Frequency and Where the Heart Is. Anything? 
Anyone? Ooh, boy. Yeah. Frequency and Where the Heart is definitely, uh, I feel like those are like, uh, two movies that were on heavy rotation on HBO for a while. Frequency. I was saw Frequency the one with the, with the father and son. Yeah. Trapped Jim Caviezel and, uh, one of the Quaid's. I can never remember which. Yeah. I think it, it was, was it was, it was Dennis Quaid, Quaid and like, and, and John Caziel, right? Yeah, Jim from, Caviezel. Uh, Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel, right. The guy who got struck. Did you ever hear about this? How, how Jim Caviezel got struck by lightning like twice while he was filming uh, Passion of the Christ? I'm and like, more, they were like, there's, you're definitely no. adding an extra syllable on Jim Caviezel's name, right? No, I think you're, Is I it? think you're short a syllable. I, oh, <laughs> I stand corrected. But he got struck by lightning like twice on set while they were filming. And people were like, yeah, something's up with him. Like, he's been changed. Like, he was just a lot, like, slower and more distant, like, as over the course of filming Passion of the Christ. Flintstones Hello? Viva Rock got, Vegas. Are you looking up? Oh. <laughs> uh, Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas also featured Alan Cumming as the Great Gazoo, who you will soon be able to see uh, doing the uh, foreword to Bobby Hankinson's Queendom book, correct? That, that is correct. Uh, any day now, as I like to continuously say. Uh, yes, look for it in June. Google it. I don't know. DM me. Uh, you guys know where to find me. I feel like our listeners know where I'm at. Uh, but yeah, Alan Cumming, the foreword of the Queendom book. More on that to come. Don't you worry. And uh, finally, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask was released. And I really feel like I missed out a lot on never having a Nintendo 64, but but mostly for Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and the way that people talk about those. Oh, is Majora's Mask good? That's what, what the, the, the kids say. Or the kids said. Oh, I don't know. And they're like, haha. You it can't just play, makes me think of Lady Majora. I I can play it. I have an I have an, a Nintendo sixty four. I just don't have the cartridge. I should. All right, guys. Should we talk about some wrestling? Yes, yeah, I suppose. And honestly, um, talk, when talking about the opening of this pay per view, uh, Nintendo sixty four and its graphics, I think, are relevant to the discussion. <laughs> Everything's yeah. made of knives. It's like Steppenwolf's no, no. shirt. No, hawks. No, hawks. yeah, nothing actually is a knife, which is honestly way less menacing. It's basically a trailer hitch. It's a bunch of trailer hitches, yeah. menacing trailer hitches. And in case you were confused, in the opening, it's not used to slice. No, 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 no. It's just to hook a chain and literally haul or tow the logo onto screen. It is basically Bob the fucking builder. I was like, what are we doing here? It's like the logo broke down on the side of the road and they were like, well, we got to bring the logo in. And so they like, you know, they have to pay like a dollar per mile and they just drag the logo in. But we're talking about Backlash 2000 or if you're looking on the Peacock Network, this is Backlash Season 2, Episode 1. Not yet branded as WrestleMania's Backlash, which is a, a weird thing this year. It is a very weird thing where I kept oh. saying, like, I thought they were confused. I was like, wait, who's high here? Because they were like, <laughs> they're having a rematch at WrestleMania. And I was like, no, 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 that just happened. And they're like, but WrestleMania backlash. I was like, that's not a thing. We're not doing that. <laughs> and this uh, this pay-per-view begins with welcoming back Deborah, who has stolen Jericho's hairstyle for the night. Oh, my God. She looks like a poodle after a day at the spa. 
Deborah is here to be the guest ring announcer, despite the fact that she does not have a pleasant voice on the microphone. <laughs> it's literally like if you look at Deborah, you're like, what's the one thing you shouldn't be doing? It's like speaking, definitely speaking. Anything where it involves words and your mouth, you should not do that. Uh, and they're like, I know, let's give her a microphone and make her the announcer. I was like, I'm sorry. Well, okay. Did they did they give her a microphone? I'm still not sure about that because the, the she had a lot of competition in the music that was playing all of the time. Like she tried to announce people, she tried to announce winners, nothing got through. I just wanted to to hug her and say you don't need to scream into the mic, sweetie. You don't need to do any you don't need to do any of this, Deborah. You can just go home and just relax. <laughs> But I guess, like, this is one of those things where, like, Deborah's employed. Uh, at this point, she is with romantically Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, so they're engaged, correct? Um, they're either engaged or married at this point. I'm not sure. Um, but she is, they have nothing for her to do. And she's not a wrestler. And she is, she's not going to become one anytime soon. So they're not really sure what to do with her. It's not dissimilar to the position Sonny was in, where it was like, I don't know, be a, a referee? an announcer like they don't really know what to do with them come on um, Deborah. Think... let's see some of those poses <laughs> yeah do your, do your sexy poses uh but her on the microphone is uh almost as grating as the road dog on the microphone who keeps going to this two tears in a bucket line that i don't like i think i get i think i understand it isn't it just isn't it just to get to the rhyme of suck it? Right. But then there's a lot of things that rhyme with suck it. Uh not not for Road Dog, no. There are not. <laughs> no. First um, I I wanna I wanted to say, by the way, that I think that Run DMC should get a humanitarian award for improving uh Degeneration X's song because they really made it a lot better. Yeah, that's a real testament. That should you. be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame package. They should be like, you know what? You really did us all a service. <laughs> and they said it couldn't be done, and you proved us wrong. <laughs> because the the uh, Degeneration X theme song was already perfect to begin with. As as much as I and I have come to the defense of the presentation as a whole, and I do think as a whole, but I would absolutely consider it a a a, a violation of the Geneva Convention to like play that song like on Spotify. <laughs> Do you guys remember when Degeneration, when DX like had their whole pay per view and they were literally playing that song every single entrance, and I was like losing my fucking mind. Yeah, but there's plenty to lose your fucking mind to about this pay per view too. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. No, I know, but like just, just it's just, just the music yeah. is so triggering that when Run DMC made it better, I was like, oh thank God, I can listen to it again. It's fresh. Meanwhile, all they really did was keep going, the king of rock, y'all, the king of rock, y'all. It's good. Yeah, you know, all some, it needs. <laughs> you know, like, sometimes you just need that person to come in there and just, like, you know, loosen the loosen the cap for you. Yeah, more, it's the more cowbell of the DX. <laughs> <laughs> so this first match is D-Generation X, Road Dog, and X-Pac, which, and I mean, big Tori. upgrade here. And Tori, yes, yes, but in a non-wrestling role. Versus Edge and Christian for the tag team championship, and I must say again, not to harp on Tori, and I don't. I have obviously uh, we haven't been diving into the inter the the raws that have happened between because Peacock, but uh, I do think this is this is for me this is peak Tori for me this is I this is my favorite Tori this is the best Tori is DX Tori uh, or as I think they sometimes call her Tori Pac, not on commentary but like in history as a character. 
because she's with X Pac in the uh, in the storyline. Yeah, and that's like sort of that was like her way, and this is like sort of like her DX period. Uh, and I think her outfits look good. I think she looks great. Uh, and I think she just picks up. I think she plays well with the group, and I, I don't think that's an easy group to infiltrate. I don't think it's, it'd be easy to add somebody else there. Uh, and I think she fits in well. And this is, I think, the, it's not saying much because the bar is very low for what we've seen from Tori so far. Uh, but this uh, is my favorite Tori. Well, as someone who uh, she definitely... someone who braved Peacock and uh, watched all of the Raws leading up to this, Tori ain't doing much right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she. But she does look. She does look very good. Yeah, I will say she doesn't. Uh, she's not doing a lot, but what she's doing is finally like making sense and good. And I think she was okay with Kane. I think she looks. I think she the look is better with this, and I think that. I, I don't know. It's just impressive. I think defending with DX, which is such a established thing. They're so close. They're such good friends. They're so like, there's just like a, an energy there that I think it's really hard to put someone random with that group. God, could you imagine being friends with DX? Oh God. No, thanks. Yeah. Right. Like it just sounds like the fucking worst. What about, um, this year, WrestleMania, the, uh, the, the hall of fame induction and, and Sean Waltman just kind of glomming onto the, like he was a new age outlaw on the same level as the other three, not a new age outlaw, Wait, no, new, uh, new world NWO. order, new world order. Yeah. He, I mean, he was a really big part of it. I don't know on the same level, but also, but definitely a top and top guy. I don't know. I'm, I, I think that he was definitely as, um, I would say, yeah, up there is, is one of the most important, but the same. Uh, I, I think, yeah, more so than the giant, Paul White, more so probably not maybe in star power, but in impact than or commitment or longevity than, say, like uh, uh, Buff Bagwell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I do think this six, was uh, this was a pre this was pre coming back to the WWE, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where he okay. he was the one, two, three kid in WWF. Then he was right. six S Y X X, I think, in WCW yep. as in one plus two plus three. Um, sure. And then well, I think he also like, started going by six po- six pack, I've... like like six pack, but six yeah. pack. I thought I thought six pack uh, or six pack or six pack was was before he left for WCW. But then I what what the fuck do I know? No, I don't think I thought six is. I think six was all because um, that made it was the playoff the one two three kid name. Uh huh. And then I think these are going to six packs or six pack and hence X Pac is how we ended up at X Pac. But yeah, I mean, I like this team, this pairing better than uh badass Billy Gunn with X Pac. I think that their, their move set is a lot more complimentary. It's a lot more fun, a lot more energy to it as far as the offense goes. Yeah. And I think it's, I, I road dog is so much better as a heel. It's, it's silly. Like it doesn't make any sense. I feel like when he's the face, Mm-hmm. Um, he's yes. so much better in this role because he's so unlikable. Like that haircut makes him so unlikable. Uh, and also, his move set, you know, isn't mm-hmm. the most yes. like power based. It's not the most offensive, like offense heavy with strikes or kicks or high flying moves. And so, um, yeah, I like him. I like him playing the heel role. Yeah, he's just like a silly dude, and so having him be silly as a heel makes sense. You know, in this context, I mean, look, was was this a good match in terms of like the spots for me? Not necessarily. I mean, I think Edge and Christian made it really good. And, you know, and X-Pac, I think, can can keep it good. And Road Dog's fine. But, uh, you know, and like I'm not I'm never that interested in watching 
Road Dog and X Pac wrestle. But you know, I think for what it was, they you know they everyone played to the the best of their abilities. I think both teams played hard. <laughs> right. I just want everybody to have a fun time. Um, there were uh, there was one spot in particular that Edge power bomb right after the hot tag was really really dope to watch. Um, but um, it's interesting talking about kind of the uh, the heel face dynamic here as we're definitely seeing a shift with Edge and Christian delving into that devious side, grabbing the um, grabbing the ring bell and attacking with that. I must have been yeah. taking a note or something because I got to the next match and noticed that there was blood all over the ring and had to go back and see. Oh yeah, Xbox was. X-Pac was busted the fuck open. Was it, you think it was the hard way? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I did notice that, that uh, Edge and Christian were kind of uh, tweenering a little bit. Um, and, you know, kind of like you want them to win, but they were also being a little devious as they were doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it was like, it was a pretty, it had some chaotic moments. There was a lot of like, especially at the end, I think there was a lot of people running in and running out. But the crowd like ate that shit up. They fucking loved this match. Yeah, there's this I mean, was a good opener. There was a lot of there was a good energy for it. And I do think I also was getting really confused at the end with like who's legal. And I was like, I don't know if that was if if who was legal was was right at the time. But uh, yeah, but this yeah, was good. Nobody seemed to care. Yeah, this wasn't you know as good as like one of as like a one of the classic tag team matches we've been seeing. But I absolutely this is better than most tag matches we're seeing presently. I, this is, I think it was a really. I thought this was a solid B B plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I think there's a reason why they don't call this the rectitude era. They don't care as much about the rules. <laughs> Thanks. I just thought of it. And I was so proud. I had to spit it out. It's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> the rectitude era. I'm just gonna work with that for a little while. Then we find out that The Rock apparently travels to pay per views with his shirt completely unbuttoned in the limousine. No complaints. <laughs> it gets hot in there. Speaking of hot, Scotty Too Hottie versus Dean Malenko in a match that surprised the hell out of me. So, super fun. And honestly, I, can, I can't. All I ever do is put Stinko Malenko. I just have Stinko in my notes. Like, <laughs> yes. He just yeah. is Stinko Malenko. Have I already, Aaron, discussed my Scotty Too Hottie, Zack Ryder thing? Uh, you might have. I can't remember. I, I know I've heard it. Probably on you know what, just say it again. Sure. My thing with Scotty Too Hottie, so you know that I listeners we as we discussed, I fell out of you know, watching wrestling a bit in the Ruthless Aggression era, popped in for a minute somewhere around when things happened with Chris Benoit. I remember that. And then I dipped out again and then came back recently with these lovely gentlemen uh a few years ago. I guess more than that now, probably like six years ago now. Uh, but uh, for the longest time, I had just in my head, Scotty Tuhati and, and, and Zack Ryder were the same person. Like that was just grown up Scotty Tuhati. Like Scotty Tuhati grew up and it was just Zack Ryder, like which made so much <laughs> sense to me. And like, like even though I know they look different and if I close my eyes, I can see, but I can like identify both of their faces. But like, I think of history when I try to even recall this match, like in my head, it's Zack Ryder wrestling Stinko Malenko. Like they're just interchangeable for me throughout the course of history, and it just like made I mean, sense when my when I dipped <clears throat> in and out. I would say Zack Ryder and Scotty Tuhati are like a uh, Sebastian Stan, Young Mark Hamill 
kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Same face types. Yeah. And and honestly, the the rest like you can see how they could even like that could be an evolved move set. Like it is they're, mm-hmm. they're not dissimilarly built at all. And so and they're and they're both sort of like comedy characters that could still kind of go and so it just to me they were just the same they were just always the same person and it literally took a minute where I was watching a Zack Ryder when like uh, during a Zack Ryder storyline you know in modern times that I was like wait a minute that's a whole different person like that person <laughs> did not dance with Rikishi that person did not tag with Brian Christopher that person never did the worm that is a different whole ass person and it like I felt like my brain having to like rearrange neurons. Can, can we talk about the worm for a second? We can. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I would also like to say that I would definitely wear the shit out of that worm crossing jacket that he comes out in. <laughs> I'd have to. I'd have to see it again. I don't remember it. Um. So okay. Uh, I know. I know. Bobby has kind of touched on a, on a lot with the worm in the sense of it's you know it's kind of like um, the people's elbow through the looking glass, right? Where mm-hmm. it's no longer. It's no longer parody. Now it's just, you know, the same thing, but the crowd lo- fucking loves it. And Scotty Too Hotty, you know, maybe doesn't realize or doesn't even care that it's a bullshit move. And, you know, it's just it's just like the there's no irony or it's post irony. Um, I'm curious about the um, the physical uh, story that's being told in it is scotty too hottie a bird at first is he hopping on one leg as a bird flying around and then he then he spots the worm and then he becomes the worm and then the worm like you know what i mean like wow utica queen okay why is why are the arms outstretched why is he on one leg why is he hopping i feel like it's a bird to worm transition so there you gotta understand his character is just guy who dances uh and it's supposed to be like uh like that is like you're like oh what's he supposed to be like what's his like his deal it's like he's a guy who who dances uh and so sure the word sure. is just a dance move and all of the preamble there i think is just supposed to be more artistic dance flourish man i i know but like from a dance perspective I you want like well, see, you you want this to two be animals lyrical here. and he's really doing more of a pop and lock <laughs> As, if this was so you think you could dance, you know, it's like, are you, is it, it's not really a foxtrot, you know, you, you have to sort of judge accordingly. Yeah. Well, a foxtrot no, is literally, you just go and run and you hunt down, uh, you know, you, you hunt down your prey and you're on horseback. No, no, it's headcanon for me now that, um, that Scotty Tuhati is an amateur nature lover who is working out the life cycle the circle of life and he you are his, the next victim of it i i shit you not that is the story i tell myself every time i watch it i'm always like the only way this makes sense to me is that he starts as a bird hunting a worm <laughs> and then he becomes the worm it's really honestly a, a man who just loves animorphs and he is just reenacting a <laughs> cover as he devolves into the worm and the arms are outstretched to kind of create like a like a like a fading effect you know like a dream sequence as he blends from you've, one you've to never legs. yeah you've never seen an animorph turn into two animals that's crazy but perhaps well, I mean, we have a discounting uh, a, a human but perhaps we have someone who's adept at photoshop that listens to us that maybe wants <laughs> to show us <laughs> 
Oh my god, uh, sky body anamorphing into a bird and a bird anamorphing into a worm is going to be amazing. <laughs> Just the worm is enough for me, to be honest, but you know what? Uh, no, Go I want to see a, I want to see another animal anamorph into another animal because it, then it's just morph, right? Like they're both animals. You can just get rid of the ana part. No, morph didn't. Morph couldn't do. Uh, morph couldn't do animal transformations, could he? No, I, uh, who? I said morph, not not morph. No, I said no, morph. I said from morph. the X Men. From the X Men. I thought that's where oh. you were going with this. No, I just meant the word. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean more from the X-Men, like, animated series? Yeah. I don't think so. Was, I, I, was he in the comics? Uh, no, he I was created. He, no, I believe. He just, it, wasn't he created to die? He's inspired. There's a few characters in the comics he's inspired by, but Morph was written for the TV show. I thought that this was a, was a Harley Quinn type situation where eventually, um, I want to oh. say ex, Exiles, eventually that Morph made his way into the he, comics. He might have. He didn't become an important character, but I think there is almost... Did someone else take up the name in the last few years, I want to say? I think what happened is in the last few years... This is. I still was reading comics at this time. This may be, there may, this may be related or not related. Like He may have made a different appearance earlier that you're referring to, but I also think that there is a character in more recent history that came along in this like new generation of mutants, like I boy, like along with that kind of class. And he was someone, he's a gay character. His real name is Benjamin Dietz. I want to say, wow, all of this is somewhere deep in my brain files. Uh, but his power is, he looks like he can look like the person he's talking to only. Mm. And that person like inherently trusts him because they, he looks like them. It's very weird. And I think he took on the name morph. Do you so. remember do you remember Exiles in the early 2000s? It was uh, Blink's like reality hopping team. I thought that yeah. Morph was in there. I could be wrong, though. It, it's possible. Hmm. <laughs> Great match, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, very fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I really, I, I like the story of this, this Karamazov charismatic star who really feeds off of the audience to his like exact opposite who can achieve only through like technical excellence and a little bit of uh rope work when the ref isn't looking jack doan is probably the most forgettable referee of the attitude era i realized that's so funny i was like i was also thinking that same thing this has name and i was like who that and then i saw i was like a face that like literally has never um like settled into my memory I didn't even recognize. I, I had no idea. I, I just completely blanked him out. But I would say keeping this on Malenko is, is the right idea. I mean, he doesn't have anything else to do right now. And Scotty Tuhati is so hot on his own, even with uh, Brian Christopher injured at this point. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And I think that um, Dean Malenko is so good and adds something to the light heavyweight division. I think adds some legitimacy in a way, almost not dissimilar to, I feel like, what's been happening recently with NXT what they've been able to do with the, with the uh, cruiserweight title mm. um, and be able to kind of like put some people in who have some different styles, maybe have more grounded styles, a little bit of variety. It's not so um, it's not all high flying all the time. And uh, which makes, I think that matches more, the dynamics more interesting, compelling to watch. After that, we go backstage and we find out that Briscoe and Patterson is back on team Helmsley McMahon. And it's all hands on deck tonight. 
I don't want to stay on that segment, but moving on means I have to talk about Bull Buchanan and the Big Boss Man. You know what? The only reason I was excited for this match was because they were going up against the Acolytes, and I literally wanted the Acolytes to rip their heads off. (laughs) There's a moment early in the match where King says, um, there's some great tag teams in the WWF right now, and I couldn't believe that he used this match to bring that fact up. He's right, and what they're doing throughout the night it's pretty obviously building up this division and allowing some of these newer tag teams to uh to get a win over somebody who's a bit more seasoned and a bit more um in place but i got nothing as far as this match goes yeah it it was a match yeah go ahead yeah i couldn't believe that that they were using the acolytes to build these fucking idiots up I don't think, yeah, I though, the, the, the Acolytes, I guess, are so over that they're not going to lose much in a loss here. For sure. And I guess, but, you know, also, like, you got two two teams that are supposed to be, like, you know, the Acolytes are, like, the the ultimate tough guys in the, in the division. And to put them up right against, you know, another team that's supposed to be tough guys and have them lose is just, I don't know. I, I'm sure they didn't lose any of their rub, but it just, it's like, oh, I mean, okay, they, I guess they... They did lose when Bossman hit Bradshaw over the head with a nightstick, so it oh, took a lot to I guess put I them stopped down. paying attention. <laughs> that's, and that is fine. Uh, that would be funny. That'd be funny, though, to like, to just like put, uh, to put teams over by just like making people so bored. They just, that's when they go for their beer. <laughs> And like, you're like, and then they won. And like, you know, you, you don't lose anything from the teams that are putting the other guys over because nobody actually watched the match because nobody fucking cares. Yeah, that's exactly how you want to build it up. We're going to make people care yeah. so little. It's a good product. <laughs> I think that was uh, WCW's whole strategy around 2000. <laughs> We go backstage where the Hardys are talking and they are not going to hold back on each other. Um, And then it goes to the Crash Holly and Hardcore Holly. And the mirror of that scene is very funny because Hardcore Holly says, just because we're cousins, I'm going to enjoy beating you all around the ring. I did not think about the fact that they were meant to they were meant to work in conversation with each other. That is funnier. (laughs) And this match, this is the hardcore match. We've got Crash, we've got the Hardys, we've got Hardcore Holly, we've got Perry Saturn, uh, and we have Taz in here. And it is a much better story than that car wreck that we watched at WrestleMania 2000. It's also got 100% less viscera. (laughs) Yes, oh my god. I joined this this Attitude Era wrestling group on... um, on Facebook, just to kind of like see what people are talking about right now. It's horrible and, and super swampy. But anytime anyone posts, man, Visser was such an underrated wrestler. I immediately post the video of him slipping backstage <laughs> underneath their comment, and it gets like a hundred likes, and I feel good about myself. That, that's very, very good job. Yeah, underrated my fucking ass. I mean, I mean, it depends on what you're rating him in the first place. He's a king of the um, ring winner. <laughs> Okay, I have a question. So there was a point where, like, early on, the crowd starts yelling, holy shit, holy shit, when Matt Hardy jumps off the structure. Mm-hmm. The superstructure. Uh, the, the, 
Yeah, the super the superstructure as we like to call it. Um warranted or not warranted? Yeah. Warranted. He's up high. I mean, he was very high up and there was, you know, that was a very hard ground and uh huh. climbing the set is like not something folks are, are really used to. No, we're not even okay. used to it now. I think it still gets a huge pop now when folks do it. Um there's been a couple of recent examples that have been so dope. Uh so yeah, I think it's so uncommon. I yeah, I I I support that. I, I, I'm not against it. I just, I think, um, I think the angle that I had, you yeah. know, that they, that they showed was like a little bit like minimalizing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like, I, I it would have been a lot, right? Like if you, if you had a camera to, to kind of give you a little bit more of like a ground view of like Matt Hardy coming from up high yes. like that, I think it would be a lot better and, and sell it. So maybe, yeah, maybe the crowd was just like, Whoa, like you're in person. I know I can see how high that is. That's insane. But from like the perspective I saw from, I was like, I was like, that's cool, but it's not like blowing my mind the way that I don't know, jumping off of a taxi that's lodged into the center of an arena is uh, blowing my mind. And now, Aaron, we're in the 24-7 hardcore rules now. Yes, it seems we are. From, from the package. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I was into this stuff. And I like my hardcore matches kind of, like, this went a little long for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I had a lot of fun watching this. And I like my mm-hmm. hardcore matches, you know, I don't like thumbtacks. I don't like barbed wire. So I like, like, let's hit ourselves with baking pans and stop signs. I'm, in, I'm into that. Uh, I'm into this kind of hardcore match. I thought, yeah, it's fun. And and just when this match seemed like it was getting a little too long, the Hardys showed up with ladders, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, let's keep going." Yes, hundred yes. uh, percent. I I also like that Perry Saturn like threw somebody into one of the superstructures and just broke, broke the superstructure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Uh, did you guys catch the line? This match might be like the presidential campaign right up until November. <laughs> they have no idea at this point in 2000 how long that presidential campaign is going to go oh for. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't get that, but that is incredibly funny. That's that's some PTSD. <laughs> um, I thought there was a cool ladder spot. Well, okay, something uh, just to go back to Taz's entrance music for a second. Mm-hmm. How many people are dying in the entrance music for taz is it like one person who flatlines and then like they get the heartbeat started again and then they flatline or is it two separate heartbeats uh i think only one person has died beep, 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 beep. and then but then like at some point they go beep Boop, and I'm like, oh, they got him. Oh, no. <laughs> I hope he had. Yes, the the rock has brought them back. The rock and roll has brought them back to life. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, Jr. has no idea who anyone is. Oh my god, I I don't remember him being this bad at his job, but he <laughs> is very bad. I mean, like, it's not hard to tell the Hardys apart. They don't look anything alike. <laughs> He he also mixed up Perry Saturn and Taz. Like, uh, <laughs> like they're both bald. Like that was it. Yeah, it's real wild. But in the end, Crash pulls one out here, and I like this. I really Me like too. Crash as the champion. Same. Would have been fun if somebody, uh, because it's a twenty four seven belt. It would have been fun if somebody had pinned Crash while he was running out with the belt. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, and that'll happen a lot. 
yeah, there's usually a rule, and I it, it, sometimes they may have specified it and we missed it, or they might have said it on heat or whatever, but sometimes there's like a rule that's like the 24-7 rules are suspended during the title defense or whatever for the day or the night or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I always kind of like layer that on if I have to. Uh, it's uh, like sanctuary! <laughs> yeah, because yeah. otherwise they'll be able to get through like an actual match. But I really, yeah, I was a, a big fan of the hardcore belt. And when the 24-7 belt was debuted, I had high hopes um, that were quickly destroyed and then trampled and then set on fire and peed on (laughs) at least the fire's out always looking at the positive eric that's you thank you that's (laughs) me finding (laughs) the good in everything (laughs) i I could just try liking the pee i i am i am very interested to hear if you guys found the good in the next match that we have i Honestly, have one note for this entire match, and all it says uh, is... I, I think I know what your note is. That's the only good I think you found. All, all my note says is, uh... And that's it. It's just UH and then an ellipses. And that's all I have to say for this. <laughs> we were all looking at Big Show's dick, right? Like, uh, that, yeah, I was you expecting could not that avoid it. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I was like, do you have the biggest pythons here? I, I'm so, I'm so, I have heart on you. I gotta say, I gotta say, I liked this match, you guys. What the? Okay, Aaron. Me too. I think I understand the concept here, which is that Big Show's a guy who loves to have fun, but sometimes gets mad. I think that's the character <laughs> they're selling. Yes. That's the gimmick, well, but like, as well, almost like a, a pathology. Like, he's pathologically a good time until he loses his temper. Like, it's like yes. a, it's yes. like a, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with the stakes way lower. But also, I really yes, think I, I really think it's smart that there that he was fun on Saturday Night Live, playing off of that, playing off of the he thinks that now he can get to a next level as being like an entertaining, like good time guy. But then he just gets really pissed off. In the lead up to this, um, we you saw the the fat bastard costume. There was also a a big Valshowski costume in there. But then there, um, Kurt Angle was also preaching abstinence for an excessive amount of time and they're at penn state and he's got like a, an end is near type placard saying like abstinence don't have sex and then you just see big show with condoms in his hair throwing them out to all the kids around him and everyone running up to him excited i like well, at- i like this side of the big show I I do really like the I mean I was actually on board for the game of I want to have fun and if you're gonna make me if you're gonna like keep me from having fun then I'm gonna get very upset and we're gonna fucking fight um, I think it's really like it's just like makes absolutely no sense but why does anything have to make sense and it, like and it, there's it, no explanation of how it was applied or like why it was a sudden change for him a character that we've been familiar with for over a solid year now and so <laughs> to suddenly they'd be like by the way there's this part of my personality and i know we this is a silly world and there's gimmick changes all the time but this one is very very funny to me i'm not saying it's bad but it is very funny to me no but but they come right I, out they he came right out and said um i was on saturday night live i and i got a lot of laughs on there this is what i'm doing oh he did say that yeah he said like he literally yeah the uh the i thought i said it on the raws on the lead up to this that that, that that's what was said oh, okay i i thought that you had kind of like i thought I, I i wasn't sure how much of it you were editorializing and how much of it you yeah. were like you know what i mean how much of it was explicit that's a very good explicit yeah i'm happy with that um <laughs> 
That's a very good explicit justification. I like that justification because, like, yes, make everything into the story. There is there is no difference between, like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Kayfabe everywhere. I love it. That's great. Like, have him just be like, yeah, I found my fun side. This, like, this is going to be what makes me a super popular person is, you know, like, I, I stole the show at Saturday Night Live, I'm going to steal the show here. I think that's so smart and good. And speaking of justification, JR says early in the match that he has an A to C personality. Somebody took a 201 class. <laughs> <laughs> I love this character's improv guy. <laughs> except, it, right. it, except the improv guy is the guy from uh, Broad City who just goes, yeah, baby. <laughs> by the way I, I was watching um i finished six feet under and i don't know if you guys remember this from when you watched it i mean i assume both of you did but um in the last season claire gets a job in an office and the running thing in that office is that everybody when any, anybody says like hey you want to get lunch everybody just goes yeah baby over Ooh. and over and over <laughs> and i was like Oh, is this what writers thought that office like office settings were like? Everyone just said the same line over and over from the one movie. It was like you know what I mean? It's it was a little bit like um it was like they were putting on office face. If mm-hmm. that's a a term you can use. But yeah, like the, the the one thing they honed in on as some sort of grain of truth was that everybody was saying yeah baby to every but to everything. And that was not close to when Austin Powers came out. Was it not? Oh, uh, no, it was like... Final season what? was like, what, five, 2006? Five years? How many seasons is it? Uh, uh, Six Feet Under, I think, ended in like 2003 or 2004. Okay. I thought, I thought it was at least five or six seasons. It was about five seasons. Oh, yeah. Let me see. I think it started in 2000. I wish they leaned in harder on the improv thing with big show <laughs> i don't think they knew <laughs> imagine like i change like, the changes call that choke slam the swipe at it you know what i mean they could just like do a lot of things that they could they doesn't do tag teams he does two prof you know what i mean like there's like uh-huh. a lot of uh-huh. a lot of fun that i personally would have that with this. we would love very niche <laughs> oh months. my god very niche what what if what if big show was like Hey, uh, Jr. I've, 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 I've been writing this new. Or uh, me and I don't know. Add in some other person. We've both been writing this new uh, song entrance music for me to walk out to, and and they do like the Garth and whatever. Like they, they both are, um, are just trying to uh, improvise the song at the same time. You know the weekend update thing. I'm just yeah, gonna just need want- a, uh, just gonna need a word from the audience. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard wrestling. Well, he's a big show, and he's. Oh, were we supposed to do it with you? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. This is how it would go in real time for the big show. Next up, maybe liked less than Bull Buchanan versus the APA. We've got the Dudleys versus TNA. Oh God, this is the stuff. I really don't like. Um, I, I and this is like it, it's funny because like this is what I'm thinking about. Remember Eric a while back when we first started when China first started competing against men, 
we were kind of like talking yeah. about like what the crowd heat was like and like what they were cheering yeah. and whatever. And I kind of had like a sunnier disposition for it. And I think the reason why I did is because I find this so clearly egregious and stomach churningly bad that it, that by comparison, I was like, Oh no, sh- China was fucking captain Marvel. Like compare, yeah. like in comparison. Uh, so I guess we should break this down a bit, huh? Yeah. First Trish wants to fuck that table. She sure does. Oh, what was that? Was the point of this to just like, like keep, um, keep uh, Bubba Ray like obsessed with her? Yes, that's. I guess the whole it's mind point game was was keeping, unquote. yeah, keeping Bubba off of his game, keeping him interested in her. Um. And TNA, I guess, is ostensibly supposed to be the faces in this match. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But... Though, honestly, I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think... Yeah, I actually think the Dudleys uh, might I... be the faces in I this think match. the Dudleys are the face, yeah. Which is what that's makes it really gross. Insane. Yeah, yeah but, that's insane. But if you think it's... The people wanted to see the tables, period. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to see women go through the tables. And they wanted specifically, very badly, to see this woman go through the table. Mm-hmm. This is some incel shit right here. Like, hard. This is some oh. hard incel shit. Like... Yes. Wow. Like, the hot blonde, like, fucking with the sort of, like, fat, bald guy. I mean, like, this is literally... It's, like, it's it's almost, like... It, it almost is, like, a, an SNL sketch. That's It's so on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bloodlust is fucked, and um, I don't know how much time we want to spend on the match itself. Blah blah blah. Literal, blah, blah. literal bloodlust. There's a moment where where Bubba's got blood on his face, and Trish starts kissing him, and I was just like, blah, blah. Uh, uh. but she takes a yeah. bump, man. Usually, I feel like Bubba's power bombs are um, pillow soft. Oh, the daintiest. But that was no dainty power bomb. That was a fucking bump. And people still, like, a lot of people point to specifically this pay-per-view and this moment as, like, a really notable thing. Because Trish is coming in as a fitness model. She's really the first to sort of break in as, like, from, like, with that kind of background. And, like, sort of kicks off, you will see a lot more women joining with these sort of model backgrounds more than, like, wrestling backgrounds um, that they've been having mostly before. Uh, with some exceptions, of course, but this really kicks off the fitness models coming in. Um, and she's not a trained wrestler, and at this point, she's not hired really for in ring work. Uh, part of Trish's journey is that's not a spoiler. I mean, Eric, you know that she becomes one of the most well respected women's wrestlers of all time, uh, because she really fucking puts in the work. Um, and she did, she was a fan. Uh, and she did like really, and like, I was reading stuff like Bubba talking about this moment specifically and saying like, yeah, like Trish worked her fucking ass off. Like she took every bump. She was always beat up. Like she was always like covered in bruises, like was not afraid to like get in there now, whether or not I, that doesn't mean she should, and this should, it should be in this context. Uh, mm-hmm. but anyway, just throwing that on there that I think that was a, a really fucking hard bump to watch you know, uh, morally, like the, the, the aesthetic, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The optics, uh, mm-hmm. were very hard to watch. Um, but it's a very hard bump. It was a very hard bump in terms of like impact in general. And then especially with all the factors combined and she's like not a super trained wrestler or whatever. Like it's a, that was a big, scary bump. Uh, and I, I did not, get, I did not enjoy watching it one bit. No, I did not. Yeah. Paired with the audience reaction, which is just this like absolute bloodlust, this, this, this scream of, of like, uh, to quote Jr. when talking about 
Bubba Ray orgasmic joy. I mean, Ugh. it's just there. There's nothing to like about this. Yeah, no, it really sucks. You, you know what? Honestly, is the worst part for me. The grossest worst part of it. I know it's like there's so many to choose from, and I don't even think you guys are thinking of this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the worst part for me was when the match was over, and she's getting um sort of examined and and and, and put on the the stretcher. Um, and while they are attending to, and let's, you know, for the scene, someone who is a severely injured woman by all, but you know, in, in this context, Lawler will not stop like being a perv, like literally while she's getting like a neck brace applied, he's like, I can help rub her out or whatever. Like, it's like, sir, <laughs> sir. Like it, it, it was just, it was so fucking disgusting. It, I was like, I, 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 it was hard to watch yeah well let's uh let's get that taste out of our mouth oh well i have two things i actually before your uh before your segue uh one i feel like the 3d is a two-man rko yeah Mm -hmm. the rko is a cutter and it's the bubba cutter was was what he does when he's solo uh, I also wanted to say we, uh, we we went faster than I remembered to to add it in, but um, Big Show in um, in Hulk in Hulk Hogan drag looks like if Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant had a baby. I, I'm not quiet because I disagree. I'm quiet because I I agree so deeply. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like it's really I'm feeling it like in my bones. Like, you know that WrestleMania that they always show? I feel like, mm-hmm. what if after that match they just went to a hotel room and banged it out and then, like, the big show came out, like, years later and, you know, this is what we have. The legacy Hulk, lives on. Yeah, yeah, Hulk Hogan, like, body slams him so hard that his molecules become unstable and they merge into one being. Morph. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Guerrero is coming straight from the prom. Okay. Uh, speeding in at two miles per hour into the, uh, into the, the arena. I don't know. I was a little charmed by this. I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, yes. Grant, I, 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 my... I, this is, uh, I want to say like peak China. I feel like mm-hmm. this is on my favorite China work. And I honestly think she looks just like every, this, this whole period. I just remember her looking so happy just like so fucking happy and like loving the story in these moments. Mm-hmm. And you know, I fucking stand Lita and any segment Lita's in, I am a huge fucking fan of. Um, question. How much of Eddie's accent is affectation? I don't know. Okay. And how much of Lawler's is affectation? <laughs> oh. oh God. <laughs> well, I did. So Eric, when you, when you called me earlier and I was watching something, um, it's because I don't, I don't think we talked about this and I, I never did. I learned this, you know, researching for this episode, uh, that Eddie Guerrero came up with Latino heat. That was like his pitch, his thing, but it's from the birdcage and it was inspired by uh, a scene with Hank Azaria from the birdcage, which I think is really fucking wow. funny about what Hank Azaria is talking about his, uh, Guatemalaness and his heat. And that's where Eddie Guerrero got the idea. And he, it's his thing. He pitched it. It was his whole uh, whole fucking thing. I think that's so funny to me. Um, this picture. That like, is funny. And like, you know, Eddie Guerrero is, of course, part of like a huge wrestling dynasty 
absolutely like has a, an incredible history and pedigree of the whole Guerrero family. Um, and I, he's damn, is he charismatic, man? Dude, when when Eddie Guerrero is like giving that little, little smile to China, I'm like, I, I I think I love you. You know, like yeah. he's he's so charming. Yeah, he can't. You know, he's he's a little mischievous, but he always means well. He's got charisma, man. He really does. And I haven't watched a lot of Eddie Guerrero besides like this stuff. Like so, and and things maybe we've picked up in some episodes where we were like diving into Jericho or whatever. Um, but yeah, fun. I was like, man, he's just he's got star power. Like he just he really is just kind of irresistible um, on screen. And yeah, I think China guys, looks great uh, here too. If you guys out there have any recommendations for Eddie Guerrero WCW matches that you think that we should watch, or even uh, before that with his his New Japan run or anything, love, love, love for you to tweet some of those at us. Yeah, wasn't he in AAA? Yes, but I think a lot of that stuff is really hard to find. Hmm. Well, it's because they wear the masks. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, so this is, I think we, you know, I talked about this on the deep dive. Um, you know, when I did the homework and no one else did, um, <laughs> I, like, it like, th- this, I think the, uh, the package right before this match really summed up a lot of it. It was like, everyone's just like, it was your Latino heat. And, like, everyone, like, goes crazy. Like, he said it. Yes, they said the word. Um... It sucks. It it really sucks to hear Lawler even just have to announce for any of this. I feel like there should be some sort of like uh, closet they put Lawler into, and they like give him a microphone, and they say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, go ahead and just call the match from here." And the microphone is plugged into nothing <laughs> because I absolutely have no, there's nothing I want to hear from him when Eddie Guerrero is on. Is on is you know is out in the match. Maybe we should just change to like the Spanish language audio channel when we watch his matches. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm not only half kidding. Uh, I think know, I think he would be yelling so loudly in his uh, Yokiro Taco Bell voice ugh. that it would pick up on the Spanish language announcers as well. I mean, it felt like Jr. was legitimately mad at him at one point about it. He was legitimately like, <laughs> literally enough. What What are you doing? It's not funny. You sound like an idiot. Like he, I really felt like he. It, it felt that felt like a shoot. No, I mean, like, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. When you go to when I go to Tijuana and I have a margarita, I was like, Jesus, man, stop it. You have to stop. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, he, Jr. Really just like laid into him on it, and and it, just, it felt it felt real, or maybe it just was like I was just feeling it so much that I was like, "Thank you for speaking my truth right now," because it's like what I wanted to say to him. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, I I, I got a real sense of what Lawler would be like if I like went with him to a Senor Frogs. Ugh. You know, like just reading off the menu and just doing like being like I am cracking everybody up i am killing it on this menu he would definitely ask for like a tequila with the worm you know what i mean yes yeah right can i get some chimichangas like jesus man stop you have to stop yeah oh god what horrible i don't want to talk like let's move on i can't even think about hanging out with jerry lawler one second longer (laughs) so the match ends the match is good yeah, also, the match is good. Good aerial yeah. moves. Yeah, I I thought actually I was also a fan of Esarios, which I know sounds sort uh-huh. of like crazy because uh, and a lot of it was due to Lita, but also he was great. That Asayi moonsault onto the table was crazy. I mean, like 
Yes. He, he hit inc- like the height that he hit on that Asahi moonsault was fucking beautiful. Um, he was the highest flying person in the match, I think. Oh, for right? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By far. Um, I think it was a great move set, and I, I, I thought he was like a really fun performer. He obviously has no promo skills. He has limited English uh, ability, which is like why yeah. they paired him with Lita in the first place. Lita, who speaks uh, fluent in Spanish because she worked um, in like the, the Lucha Libre ter- like territories, um, but also speaks perfect English. So she's a. It was a good. That's what I was the thinking pairing them together. Um, but yeah, I so I, re- I actually really I really enjoyed this match, and again, I thought China looked great absolutely like again we're hitting like i feel like this is like peak china i think she looks amazing uh and i like the i liked the setup of this match i also i get your obsession with lita by the way like she is like absolutely gorgeous and also look you know just looks like you know uh leagues ahead of everybody else in the quote-unquote women's division right like just doing amazing stuff like but uh, you know and and just has total package and ahead of what a lot of the men are able to do in the ring as well. Yeah, especially yeah. the the low well, guard. But she's got a vibe. That's... Right, not not road dog. She <laughs> she can't get that level yet. She can't shimmy. But and even you know Bruce Pritchard talks about this in an episode about Lita and just that she has a really different look. And I think like obviously we're very like a tattoo friendly, tattoo heavy crew. But like when you think of the other women. Like that, that that's not as prominent as even it is in culture now. So even like her big shoulder tattoo and like the hair, like it's just a very different vibe as well that I think she just has like an aesthetic and a taste that's a little different than the, like the blonde big boob, Yeah, which I'm not saying with judgment, but that is like, there was like one aesthetic and this is a real different thing. And I, I just was so drawn to it as a sort of like the alt culture of it all. Um, in, in a, I think in, in a um, in a uh, in a fanfic in a slash fic thing, uh, she would be the um, she'd be working with like the the Hardy Boys, right? Because they they probably all go to Hot Topic together. They split a pack of Manic Panic, you know. Watch yep. this space. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um. Wow. Uh. Yeah. I. I. I just love her. I just think that she's great. I thought. I think she played the the role good in this match. I never. I never minded and don't mind still seeing Lita play sort of second fiddle to China as sort of like still as great as Lita is. Like it's it's a we're talking different magnitudes here. Well. So Um, so so the match ends and Lita strips china for ostensibly no reason and then wears her dress like a cape as she runs away giggling i kind of like that i don't know i i get it. i literally <laughs> could do no wrong in my book i'm sorry uh i also like i loved the the recap package of this where it was essa rios and eddie tagging and some miscommunications where lita would end up hitting uh eddie so that causing tension at one point, like it's, it's like a walk and talk with China and Lita and China like says like, yeah, you better like stay out of my way. And they, the camera like zooms in on Lita giving the most like bratty nineties teenager eye roll. And I fucking yeah. lived. It was, I was like, yes, that was pretty much, that was my whole mood <laughs> in the year 2000. <laughs> Loved it. And after this, we go backstage where Coach is interviewing Triple H, and then it turns out he's on the same couch as Vince McMahon, and he just turns to interview Vince after that. <laughs> also, is this the one where you can't hear Coach at first? Might have been. I don't know. Um, what what I clocked about this one is that we find out that 
normally Stone Cold is the first one to arrive at the arena. He he and Undertaker <laughs> carpool. Yeah, we know that's not true. Um, my favorite thing about this at this point, I was just like, you know, I feel like uh, Vince McMahon is talking about Stone Cold the way that like the weatherman talks about Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. <laughs> like, well, we have some clear skies. I think we're gonna. I think you're gonna hear some reindeers coming. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, maybe he won't come this year. <laughs> And I don't even understand what his confidence is that Stone Cold won't show. Because as far as I can tell, there are no, like, machinations or plans. It's just Stone Cold showing up at his own time. Is it just him, like, trying to take credit for it? I I, I truly don't know. I yeah. I, I did love the match card subject to change stuff uh, later, but mm-hmm. I think it's just a great way of, like, just generating heat. I mean, that, that crowd, I mean, if they didn't get him it, there would have been i think actual violence like i think there would have been like a riot in that arena violence yeah the mat, the, the cards <laughs> the the card subject to change thing is so good it's such a it's such a good way to work the crowd that like you know like i don't know i, I feel like that's a that's just like a really smart thing to play on you know like like oh well you didn't read the fine print you know what i mean like uh like, well, you know, it'd be it'd be great if they did a pay per view where they did it in like Hawaii or Alaska, and they're like, well, I don't know if you know, but this is actually not valid in either in either of these two states. I'm sorry, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a you would point. be the contest winner. This is followed up by a Michael Cole interview of Chris Benoit, where Benoit says, "Unlike a robot, he has emotions." <laughs> okay i'll i'll believe it when i see it i uh, guess. don't want to spend too much time on that it's so hard man to watch chris Pennell. yeah it just really is i i just i i just can't and i can't i mean like it's hard it's really hard because as much as anyone even says like separate art from artist or whatever but you're like yeah but this is like one of the most terrible things that if we start like extending the like really going through yeah but he was sick and then it really start unpacking that stuff it's like a, where does it stop uh, so i just don't want to think about it anymore at all <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what i mean it's like if you want you can uh, you, you're really gonna push to see the humanity here it's like it just kicks open a door that boy howdy yikes it i don't want to dwell on it too much but it when, well when that... luckily for you bobby there's only several years of chris benoit in the wwe that we have to get through i know i gotta i gotta process actually I, I know i know the amount of years exactly because i remember where i was when i heard about it it was 2005 where were you I was working at a at at, at uh, my job after I came back from Asia, and I remember being, I believe I was at the gym when I heard that that Chris Benoit, like, yeah, did that whole thing. Um, but like, I remember you know just kind of hearing about it, but not really knowing who he was. Um, you know, I think the gym like plays things over the radio or something, and so. I just remember that. And so doing the math, I'm like, oh, oh shit, we've got five more years of this. Um, it's seven, Eric. Your memory is faulty. Was it 2007? <laughs> yeah, it was 2007. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense. I guess I didn't start going to the gym for a year <laughs> or two. <laughs> that was 2005. I was definitely pumping some iron. You want to know how much I benched you guys? You want to know? <laughs> 
I have those numbers down. Um, by the way, when when Jericho refers to Chris Benoit as 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 Chris Benoit, I was like, oh shit, Jericho just fucking destroyed Aaron's whole family at that moment. <laughs> like they were like, yeah, we're the Benoits, and then it was just like, nope, it, like he like he Elroyed you. Well, you've uh, you've interacted with my my cousin Chris Benoit <laughs> once or twice on Facebook. Oh, that fucking guy! <laughs> oh, jeez. Nothing more needs to be said about that. This match is oh, uh, Chris some, Jericho versus name. Chris Benoit for the Intercontinental Title. But also in the build to this, Chris Jericho was the WWF champion, unrecognized for a few minutes there. Chris Jericho is against How that tri- Chris Jericho is against Triple H um, in a match ref by Mike Chioda. Mike Shiota gets knocked out. Earl Hebner comes in, does a quick count, and awards the belt to Chris Jericho. Triple H then calls him to the ring, threatens him, and he reverses his decision, and the belt is given back to Triple H. Yeah, this is kind I of... I know you could do that. This is sort of just like coming off a point where Jericho is... You know, we've talked a lot about his sort of like struggles, getting settled, getting his footing in the WWE... WWF, wherever we're at at this point. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's finally like trying to put his foot down and be like, Vince, like I'm like ready for stuff to do. Like after the China story and he obviously stuff is picking up. And one of the most successful things he did was go after Steph McMahon in some promos. Uh, I think is also from this period. Uh, and so he was like literally going to like be like storming into the, like had asked and Vince was like, yeah, we got to find something for you to do. And then he was still kind of like doing nothing. Uh, and that's when he uh, he was going to storm into there, and I want to say Brian Gewertz, uh, the writer, stopped him and was like, "You might want to like before you go in there, like demand stuff. Like you might want to know like what's planned for you tonight. Like you're going to win the title tonight, and whatever." <laughs> uh, he was like, "Oh shit!" And they're like, "You're going to lose it, but you know, don't worry." And obviously, this is not like the end of Jericho's time in the main event scene. I will leave it at that. And these guys put on a great match, as of course they do. Those this is fucking, good wrestling. Those fucking chops, man. Yeah, no, they're it was good. It, you know, and again, it, it's not my favorite version of wrestling, but I do, I, I did enjoy it. Jr. confused these two, and they are the only people in the match. <laughs> they are opponents, <laughs> and they look nothing alike. <laughs> So I, I, both, I both named Chris, but come, but he called them Jericho and, 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 and Benoit wrong. That's a, <laughs> it's like going out of his way. He could just call them both Chris and cover his bases, but no, he's got to go out of his way to be wrong. And this was like, come on. I understand when there's like an 11 man battle Royal and everyone's a tag team and whatever. Fine. I, I can maybe let that slide still really though. No, I can name every single person in the ring. Uh, but this was really egregious. I was like, this is the, this is the, like the second highest match on the card. You know what I mean? Like these are not, this is not some like local jobber. And man, the, uh, the ending of this match, it worked me. I was upset. Walk me through the ending again. This is where, um, it winds up being a DQ finish after, uh, after Benoit had brought in the belt in, Jericho winds up using it. Oh, yes, it. yes, yes. And then we see uh, the walls of Jericho on Tim White. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jericho just, he he's like, you know, none of you refs can stop me. Just 
fought ref after ref. <laughs> Shall we head to the main event? Yes. And I don't think we've brought it up, or I don't think I've brought it up on here at all, but in, in watching all of the Raws um, over the past few years, the past few months, the storylines with DX were um, very bus-heavy. They were coming in with the, the DX Express, and in the build to it was either the Royal Rumble or um, or No Way Out. They would have a tendency of throwing their opponents into the DX Express, whether it was The Rock or Mick Foley, and then, I guess, driving with them to the next stop and then letting them out. But the DX Express has made its its way uh, several times into storylines here until... It's the original Bang Bus, by the way. <laughs> when Mick Foley's on the... it, it's the... Wait, when Mick Foley's on it, it's the Bang Bang Bus. <laughs> oh, but this is all... Hey, hey, Mick, hey, Mick you forgot your shine box. <laughs> Anyone else have any jokes? <laughs> nope, nope, go ahead. <laughs> but this all leads up until the SmackDown before this, where The Rock has promised that Austin would be in attendance. The crowd is hot for the entire night. It gets to the end of the night. Austin has not shown up until we get a cutaway to him with this crane dropping concrete or something on top of the bus, and the bus explodes, as it will win. <laughs> something is dropped on it yeah those buses are a tinderbox don't <laughs> drop anything on them i don't even know why anybody's riding in them um i also want to point out though that uh i think austin deconstruction is very funny to me because it just makes me think of how like he does a lot of textual in interrogation he's like <laughs> what do you mean when you say uh, uh a uh ladder match or on a pole what is a pole and what is it was it to be on a pole it's just uh stone cold steve austin said i just like dramaturged your ass or whatever <laughs> <laughs> what is the story you're telling in uh in this uh texas tornado match i like this match it's a good match that double rock bottom is fucking cool to triple h and shane that was cool perfect yeah here that was definitely the spot. Yeah. Um, but then throughout the match, we've got interference from the McMahon-Helmsley era until Stone Cold Steve Austin shows up and gives CTE to just about everybody. Yes. Those unprotected chair shots, man, were tough to watch. Yeah. Watching Patterson and Briscoe take them was was like, oh, come on. Not that. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> At least every, every look, time they get hit, every time they get hit, they hear "I am a American." But at least honestly, every time, every time they get hit, they see birds flying around, and then those birds turn into worms. <laughs> at least he didn't hit Stephanie. I mean, like at that point, I was I was kind of waiting for it. You know what yeah. I mean? The night had set me up for it, and I was like, "Oh, I really don't want this." So I am glad that didn't happen, though. I am not glad that instead we got Linda, and I was like, "I don't know. Would I rather have seen that?" Because Linda McMahon just brings, "Go on, girl, give us nothing." You know what I mean? Like literally, <laughs> pop 
pop off, give us nothing. Dead-eyed, walking the ramp. I was like, what the fuck kind of Walking Dead Night King shit is this? Like, what? what is happening? Just completely dead-eyed like a White Walker on Game of Thrones. It was... It was menacing, but not how it was intended to be. Uh, by the way, I, I have a, there were a couple things I got out of it, this match. I really it was a it was a, a gold mine for like those stray observations. Um, the Rock promo, I felt like we had Schrodinger's Austin. It was like he could be here, he could be in, he could be on his way. He could not even be coming. He, he might not even be in DC. Yeah, until, you, he's until, you, until you start the pay-per-view, you do not know the state of Steve Austin. Right. Uh, they also had, like, weird editing choices during The Rock's promo where, like, The Rock is giving the promo and at some point they're just, like, cutting to the crowd. Uh, especially, like, when they cut back, like, The Rock has has already kind of, like, made eye contact with the camera and is about to look away. Which was a little weird. I actually noticed a few. There, um, there was a lot of kind of like weird, bad cuts throughout the night of like very either missing spots or coming very close to missing them. It was I, I did actually find the camera work pretty bad on this one. I was gonna say it was the result of uh, what was the 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 WrestleMania event that they held where you can call a match with Michael Cole. <laughs> oh, at the at the access where like. Right at, at at the WrestleMania access, they they they're like be a uh, be a pay per view producer. Call the. <laughs> Call the camera angles. Call the edits. I did notice somebody in the crowd who was wearing a Make 7 Up Yours shirt, which just transported ah. me back to 2000. Amazing. Orlando Jones, Orlando right? Orlando Jones, yep. I had a friend who thought that that was the height of comedy and wore it to school one day and thought he was uh, quite the mischief maker. Was this uh, was this when you were all wearing togas to to go to gym class or whatever? No, he was the one who refused to wear a toga because he thought it would look silly. But we made him go ahead in advance and and bring in a radio and play our entrance music, which was American Pie. What? Yeah, <laughs> you somehow made it worse. Yep. Yep. Wow. I am I am bearing my naked self to you. But but like that's a that song that song is like a very not a hype like, up song. No, it is not. No, it's a very long song that like is all about his relationship yep. to yes, rock and roll. Who picked what it? What was the entrance like? Was it a somber, uh, mournful, uh, <laughs> mo- like you know, like mindful, like steady Linda McMahon esque march into the cafetorium, or what? What exactly? DMX is happening right now, guys. R.I.P. <laughs> and we chose Don McLean's "American Pie," the song that was going to trumpet us into the cafeteria. Oh, wow! God! Wow! All right. I feel sad. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, okay, I also want to say that uh, this is, to me at least, from what I can tell, this is the first time we get to see Shane doing his really stupid uh, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee uh, sneaker shuffle. Is it the first time? Right? It's the first time I've seen it. Uh, he definitely wasn't doing it in, like, when he was having matches before. Mm. Um like like in any any of the matches I saw, I didn't see this. Um, because I was keeping an eye out for it earlier. I was like, <laughs> "Why is he not doing it? He's not doing it." But now he's like doing it. And um, but then I was like, "Why is he shadow boxing as a ref? What's he getting? What's he getting pumped for?" 
He's getting pumped, um, he's getting pumped to screw the rock. Yeah, I guess so. I, uh, I I thought Triple H looked very good, like in terms of like he just looked like carved out of marble. Um, and he was like the I guess the the hue of a child's marble, like one of those like orange Aggies. Uh, let's see. I think it's I think it's weird that. I still think it's weird that Vince is the CEO and owner of WWE and he has no control over whether or not uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to show up to a match or not. Like, he clearly doesn't want him to come, but like, he's like, I can't, I don't know if he's going to come or not. The one uh, thing I'll I'll say about that is that Linda McMahon throughout this storyline has exercised her control. And, And so she was the one who brought Stone Cold in to be in the Rock's corner. She's the one who's I been see. championing it the whole time. And she has 65% and he's got 85% and then Stephanie's got 25. Well, I got as much Vince, as we... Vince literally says, um, Linda, I thought you were in Europe doing business. When she comes <laughs> back to... <laughs> you know... Sorry, Bobby, I stepped on you twice. Go ahead. As much as we complain about all of like the the stock portfolios and the shares of the company and whatever, with in the absence of it, it really is important because with Vince McMahon as an like, on screen character, it does you do have to stop and ask yourself like, why does he not just simply give Triple H the title and not grant a match with The Rock? Why does he not simply mm-hmm. fire The Rock? Why does he not like yeah. all? So like he needs these like checks and these checks and balances have to be like laid out for us in like a very specific way, and that's why there's all these like. Banned from ringside, blah, 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 blah. Because, like, uh, at the end of the day, it's like, well, if you just hate this person so much, you could just fire them. Like, you could just take the belt and give it to Triple H and make him never have to defend it. I don't know. There's not a law. Uh, you can do whatever you want, right? So every now <laughs> and then. It'd be great to have a. So, so every now and then, Linda McMahon needs to come in like the stern mom at the sleepover and say, you boys. You know what we need is we need, like, a, we need one of those, like, five-minute segments similar to what they had at the beginning of Highlander two, where it's just like, (laughs) you're an alien race and uh, we find you guilty and you're punished to be immortal on earth. And you can only be killed by having your head cut off and go, you know what I mean? Like we need somebody to be like, Hey, uh, Vince McMahon, you, you know, good. You've now been incorporated as the WWE, but just so you know, as soon as you hire a wrestler, you cannot fire them for any personal reason. You have to work within the structure of the wrestling to be able to do any of your machinations. I would say the the less we bring up Highlander two, the better. <laughs> like if that's if that's their uh, if that's their template for this, holy shit, shit's gonna go off the rails real real fast. Uh, I also want to point out, though, at one point that Jr. is saying, Jr. was talking about uh, Vince McMahon, and he goes, some people refer to Mr. McMahon as the devil himself. And I was like, are you, like, subtweeting the taker? (laughs) (laughs) He's the higher power. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, some people did call him that. We didn't understand it, but yes. Um, So The Rock wins. Everyone's excited. And then Stone Cold drives in the the wreck of the bus. Like, is that cool? Are we excited to see, like, <laughs> this heap? Heap, 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 heap. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap heap. Cheap heap. Cheap heap. Cheap heap. Latino heap. <laughs> 
No, Eric. No. 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 No, it's okay. I watched the birdcage. I can do that. <laughs> All right, guys. Anyway, with anything I mean, else, I, I do want to say that that I do want to say though that uh, throughout this, like at once, Stone Cold appears. Um, it, if you're following the way that that Jr. and Lawler are talking about him, I feel like Stone Cold becomes Cotton Eye Joe because they're like, yeah. "Where did he come from? Where did he go?" <laughs> Literally, I wrote. I have the exact same note. I have the exact same note. <laughs> I was like, where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? Like, what is... That is all I heard. All I heard. Sorry. That would have been uh, a better I song. I step on that. That would have been a better song for us to come out to. In focus. <laughs> Literally, Actually, Aaron, long, long time ago. If you told us a story that you all planned, like, essentially very early proto-flash mob of showing up in Togas to a cafeteria to Cotton Eye Joe, I'd be like, that's the fucking greatest thing I've ever heard. You're my hero. I love you. <laughs> the, the fact that you, that, that it was, uh, no, sorry. That it's, it's, that's what a difference it makes. The one, the one thing I will say is that with the friend who, who had to go in with the radio who played the song just walked into the room and was standing with the the radio playing um saying nothing to anyone and we definitely like waited a few extra seconds before going in just to make him feel uncomfortable for not uh, donning togos with the rest of us oh i thought you wanted to wait for the good part of the song (laughs) (laughs) song. listen we're gonna come out about four minutes in okay (laughs) (laughs) we have to wait till he, he first brings up the joker uh it's gonna be good a little bit more business there, though. For years, WWE hosted a yearly award show <laughs> called the Slammy Awards. And we had each episode of Held a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. Uh, I'll go first, because I don't love mine. Uh, but <laughs> sorry to undersell it here. Uh, it's, uh, I hope that X, it's the Slammy uh, called, uh, sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, X Pod. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <What? that's- laughs> It's very. Like, you really didn't know you, you 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 sold it perfectly. This go on. Okay, it's X Pac, more like X Prep. Am I right? Uh, for because Jr. said he was riding bareback. I don't know. I don't think this is my best. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. There are there are dogs barking outside of my neighborhood right now, Bobby, and I'm pretty sure it's for that. Either, are they that was wait things? that was that was not Carly not that wasn't Carly Rae Jepsen no no amazing although I, clearly Carly does not sound like that but I, that's what immediately what I thought anyway sorry I'm sorry um, I don't know I'm sorry <laughs> ex prep I'll go second because I really like mine but you got to be a big old nerd in order to get it I'm going to go with the shy halud award to Jr who said there are worm signs out in the audience. <laughs> right, you must you must mount and ride the Scotty Too Hotty in order to to fulfill your destiny. Uh, if you don't he, get that, he, Bobby, he responds to vibrations. If you don't get that, Bobby, wait until Dune comes out in uh, a few months. I figured something as much. Uh, I'm going to give my award for. Uh, he, despite all his rage, he's still just a rat in a cage match to Billy Corgan. Mm, credited 
as the Smashing Pumpkins, and I was like, where is James Eha? Where is Darcy? This is not the Smashing Pumpkins. That's just Billy Corgan. See, this is a debate I, I've, I've, I've had in my mind because um, I was under the impression – I've done some, some Wikipedia reading, so I think it's wrong. But, like, I was under the impression that Billy Corgan for, like, Siamese Dream – basically played all of the instruments but i think what i read afterwards was he re-recorded some of the instruments like himself so he played like you know drums bass you know all uh, he like redid a bunch of that stuff but i think you're right there was an actual band he just maybe was a little bit of a control freak about some of the parts it's yeah. not like a nine inch nails situation where like trent reznor pretty much did it or that uh right? or that first foo fighters album Oh, that was that was all um, Dave Grohl. Yeah, Dave Grohl played every single instrument on the first Foo Fighters album, and then just got a band together to tour. Yeah, I, I always find those. those I, I like those kinds of stories. I like I like those albums that are like just you know like one person did everything. Like, uh, wasn't Gorillaz kind of similar to that too? That was all basically just Damon, Damon Albarn, Albarn, right? Yeah, but then he he brought in like everybody that he wanted to work with on there. That's true. That's true. Billy Corgan, though, is actually a huge wrestling fan, and he bought the uh, the rights to the NWA, the uh, National Wrestling Alliance, um, and had his own show with uh, with um, Jim Cornette on um, on commentary, and just kind of like with uh, COVID, just kind of fizzled out. Oh, huh? I don't know if uh, if. You know, hitching his wagon to Jim Cornette is no. That was a big right mistake. Move, he but... said, "I can't remember what he said, but he said something shitty pretty quickly on and got canned from it." Oh. All right, all right, <laughs> all right. Today was the greatest day I've ever had. <laughs> a long, long time ago, I can still remember how that music used to make me smile. And I knew if I had my chance That I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while Love us, disagree. Want to put a woman through a table for a hooting crowd? Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know if we can block you. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Hell in a Cell Pod or tweet at us individually. Erica Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Myths by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with another episode next week and join us again soon for Judgment Day 2000. Sometimes when you talk about our, uh, our um, show theme... I always think it's like there are traitors in our midst. Like, hey, they're in my midst. Let me get my mitts on you. The traitors in the mist, like they're gorillas. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I'd like to be with a gorilla. This will be the day that I die. Did you write? Teach me.
Thank you. 